0: what's up everybody and welcome to another episode at the fitness oracle um today uh this re- recording has been happened for a while and i've been kind of postponing i've been going through a weird weird time in my life lately and uh it's kind of interesting uh how things are shaping themselves but regardless of what's going on in my own personal life today we actually sit down with a i, I don't want to I don't want to really consider him a mainstream doctor, but he does do mainstream medicine because he really looks outside the box when it comes to looking at his patient's health. Uh, Today, we sit down with Dr. Jess Goodman from iHeart Internal Age, and we talk a lot about um in this episode like a lot of stuff when it came to when it comes to like anatomy of you know breathing and how effective breathing is we go into his education we talk about the eastern philosophy and how it in actually influenced his practice and how he looks at what he can do with his patients uh we talk about the core what he themes as core mobility uh it's quite interesting um, I want to say that I disagree with his idea of cord mobility, because it's quite interesting. And it actually really made me think. Uh, we talk about his his specific apps that he has created over the years so when it comes to uh, the high the iHeart internal age apps. Uh, there's a whole bunch of them. And we get into that. And we talk about like aortic stiffness. And this is quite interesting what he has to talk about. So like I said, he's not your atypical doctor that actually looks at his patients under a petri dish. Like a lot of doctors have been doing over the time, especially lately as test subjects. He's very holistic when it comes to his practice. And I really do appreciate all that because that's kind of how I'm hoping to see this actually forming into. So I hope you enjoyed the show. But before we do, I do need to I do need, I do need want to ask you guys one thing. I want to know if you guys are okay with a yo-yo effect diets that simply just don't work. At Real Fitness, we've created a foolproof seven day system that will not only help you Shed the weight that you've gained over COVID, but also give you a blueprint that will help you move into a healthier, happier you, both inside and out. The best part is that we focus so heavily on the mindset aspect of this transformation to happen, that you're going to absolutely love the body that you're going to get. So what do you get with the seven-day uh, seven blueprint? Well, you get seven live coaching calls with me and a whole group of other amazing guys that are, uh, that are on the same journey. You get a mindset program that is guaranteed to set you on the proper foot, a good and honest look at your nutrition, five-day movement challenge, and so much more. So don't wait any longer. Stop making excuses for yourself and take control of the one thing that you can control. You click on the show notes below. Click in the click the link in the show notes below. And I'll see you in the private Facebook group where all this stuff happens. So I really hope that you enjoy today today's episode. And don't forget to subscribe if you like what we're doing. Here at the Fitness Oracle, Uh, it really helps us to push out more content, great content. um, And it helps the little, our little algorithms to push us up. Hit the bell to be notified when we get, when we push out another episode, which should be coming soon. And again, if you guys know of anybody who's suffering from any mental health issues, please share this with them. That it may be another voice for them to hear and might actually help them become better versions of themselves. And if you are listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, Google podcast, breaker, or whatever streaming service that you use, please give us a five-star rating and a positive review as it will help us reach, reach out to more people that are suffering from mental health issues. Again, Thank you so much for helping us. Thank you so much for supporting us. And I really do hope you enjoy today's show.
1: Well, I kind of have a a foot in two different worlds. One is the world of conventional medicine. And I have a practice where I look after people from cradle to grave. And I also look after a lot of long-term care nursing home residents. But I also try to promote a sense of health from a different perspective. I, I spend time Learning Tai Chi from a Taoist monk and, and spent 20 years working with him to give people the tools they need to feel better, live longer, and so forth. And a big part of my life is, I guess, kind of anti-establishment. I want to give power back to the people. I want people to be able to learn how to care for themselves. I want. Uh, there's nothing better for you than walking and hiking. Don't have to get expensive equipment can wear whatever you have in your cupboard, and and away you go. But it's this integrative sense of the body working together, focusing on core mobility, keeping all of your goodies in your chest and abdomen and pelvis happy and healthy on a breath-by-breath basis. Everywhere you go, it's basically the same. It's human nature. It's, It's people who are working hard to build lives for themselves and and the people they love. And as a, as a doctor, as a GP, I think the biggest lesson I've learned is that everybody is working hard to try to have a good life for themselves and their loved ones. Everyone is struggling. Everybody's got a crazy family. Everybody's, you know, to some extent holding on by their, by their fingertips. Um, and it's, it's okay to understand that life is never solid, never, never easy. It's not the way it's portrayed in the media.
0: Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people, just like you, with real stories, just like yours. And this is one of their stories. I am your host, John Katsavos. My guest today is Jess Goodman from iHeart Internal Age. He's a proud son, husband, father, grandfather, and a GP who enjoys giving people confidence in their ability to understand and manage your physical, emotional, and spiritual health. Jess, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thanks for inviting me. So how you been last couple of days with uh, lockdowns being lifted and everything? It's good, you know, getting out a bit, getting to the mall.
1: My daughter is getting married in a few weeks, so off to the mall with my wife, do some dress shopping, dress alterations, back to normal.
0: That's awesome. And congratulations on your daughter getting married. That's I'm sure she's, she's excited and you guys are excited as well very much so that's that's amazing uh so you have a very interesting uh thing that you do and the way you go about helping people is actually is absolutely amazing like uh we've had a conversation before and you blew me away uh you're a gp but not a typical gp
1: Well, I kind of have a a foot in two different worlds. One is the world of conventional medicine, and I have a practice where I look after people from cradle to grave. And I also look after a lot of long term care nursing home residents. But I also try to promote a sense of health from a different perspective. I I spent time learning Tai Chi from a Taoist monk and, and spent 20 years working with him to give people the tools they need to. Feel better, live longer, and so forth. And a big part of my life is, I guess, kind of anti establishment. I want to give power back to the people. I want people to be able to learn how to care for themselves. I want people to be able to understand the basics of health and have confidence that they can monitor where they are. And, you know, with really simple daily activities, see themselves getting healthier and I guess, extending their lifespan in a way that we all should.
0: I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. That's, uh, it's rare. It's rare to see, uh, a physician, you know, stepping into the Eastern, Eastern, Eastern form of medicine. It's it's especially nowadays, it just seems a little bit too rare, which is refreshing in one, in one sense.
1: It, it's hard in a way because Western medicine focuses on very specific illnesses, causing specific problems, needing specific solutions. And a, a lot of those solutions are medications. And, and modern medicine is what I would call discriminative, looking for very, very focused solutions. And it's also kind of biochemical oriented in that we're looking for drugs that will do specific things, drugs that can help somebody if they have diabetes, drugs that can help people if they have hypertension, heart disease, drugs that when inhaled can help people if they have asthma. So modern medicine has really a lot of power to help people when their bodies are not going in the right direction. But everything is highly focused and you look for a specific cause for a specific symptom that is related to a very specific treatment. Eastern medicine tends to look at the body as a whole, and some people would call that integrative, so that everything is mutually dependent in the body. All the systems of the body, all the parts of the body work together to maintain health. And I I guess over the years, doing Tai Chi and and learning from some of the ancient knowledge I was privileged to be able to uh, hear about, listen to, It's become apparent that health is maintained on a breath by breath basis. Every breath can be an engine of health that is dependent on the body being able to work properly. And it boils down to some very, very simple principles. And this is what I mean by giving people an ability to understand themselves, how their body works, how to keep themselves healthy. You can imagine the body as organized around your spinal column that goes from the top to the bottom of the body. And from the spine, you've got the ribs that encircle the chest, but have very powerful connections to the spine, actual joints with each vertebra, and the diaphragm muscle, which has really strong tendon attachments to the spine as well. The combination of the spine, the rib cage, and the diaphragm muscle, they form the uh, engine of the body's core. And when they can move properly with each breath, a person has good core mobility. When you're young, when you take a breath, the rib cage expands and contracts, and the diaphragm muscle at the bottom of the rib cage, separating the chest from the abdomen drops and then rises. As the diaphragm muscle drops, all of the organs that are shaped exactly to fit under the diaphragm are squeezed. And that squeezing action is like squeezing a sponge. You squeeze the fluid out of your liver, kidneys, (laughs) pancreas, spleen, uh, all of the intestinal organs. And when the diaphragm rises, fluid comes back in, it surges back in. This really helps the organs do their job. It allows fluid to flow under the, into and through the billions of small channels, canaliculi, in all of these organs lined with cells that do the job of life. So breathing promotes microcirculation in your internal organs. As your chest expands, blood is drawn from the body back into the chest, helping the heart do its work. As the chest and diaphragm expand the volume of the rib cage, air is drawn into the lungs. And because of those changes in pressure with breathing, cerebrospinal fluid, which is the fluid in your spinal cavity, flows up to your brain, one continuous loop up to the brain, through the brain and back down the spine again. Breathing is the primary pump that forces fluid up to the brain, through the brain, nourishing the brain, and past cells in small cavities in the brain that allow this fluid to be resorbed back into the bloodstream and have new fluid produced as well. This is what will keep a brain healthy and functioning well, to get rid of toxins, to provide the brain cells with what they need. And over time, maintaining core mobility is the most effective way to maintain health and have a good long life and how do you maintain good core mobility john exercise and i know that's a topic near and dear to your heart and there's a lot of literature out there showing that exercise is a great way to improve health and to extend lifespan. I've I've been Um, yapping for a while here, John. Is there anything that you wanted to...
0: You've got so many golden nuggets in that. It's (laughs) like, just we just kicked it off and we're just like going like Mach 1 right now. Um, You said a big thing uh, when it comes to breathing because uh, in the martial arts that I actually practice, we have a specific form of breathing and there's so many different forms i'm going to call them forms of breathing out there you have the wim hof method you have uh the nasal method you have just the the in 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 and out through the mouth method in sistema, we have um in through the nose out through the mouth in most martial arts around the world it's you have to breathe through your nose because if you're going into a tournament you have your you have a biting down on a mouth guard so you have to learn how to create force and through the nose and it's just easier to create force coming out through the mouth. Mm-hmm. What kind of breathing methods do you, you do, do you find that are the most beneficial for people?
1: That's a great question. And unfortunately I, am going to have to kind of go sideways here and that's fine. Of, sideways is good for you. <laughs> What One of the most important things I learned from my Tai Chi teacher, is that it's important to do through not doing and it seems contradictory at first but in terms of breathing it's one of those things that you allow the body to do you give the body the structure that is elastic that will expand and recoil on its own and regardless of what method you use to breathe you have to have a flexible spine You have to have a rib cage that is just elastic and will open and close and a diaphragm muscle that will drop nicely. And you're, you're familiar with the term diaphragmatic breathing, where you can see the belly sort of puff up with each breath and you can force your body to do that, but it's great when it happens naturally. And the breath doesn't all happen in the chest itself but can expand all the way down. And the ancients used to refer to breathing in, in terms of really healthy breathing as breathing from your heels. So that with each breath, each part of your body expands and then relaxes. It's not something that is just chest centric. Certain breathing techniques can cause physiological change, really beneficial physiological change but I'm trying to get away from very specific interventions and get people to understand that it's the entire body which working together will become the vehicle that carries them forward to good health and long life. Doing exercise such as walking, especially walking on ground that is a little bit soft or spongy underfoot, walking on ground that undulates a bit, this will give you the experience that human beings are designed to have. Um, one, one interesting, I, I guess, metaphor is that the human body is a bit of a, a shock absorber or a spring. And I, I used to drive a Saab and I love the way a Saab feels when it goes over bumps because the shock absorber system in a Saab is tuned to the human resonant frequency. Meaning that as a human being, we tend to dampen any sort of you know, shocks to the system in a certain way. And the sob imitated that. So it felt very natural. And walking over ground that's a little bit softer, a little bit undulating will allow your body to go through those nice sort of vibratory movements where every part of the body's involved. Now compare this with the experience of going for a walk in a shopping mall where the ground is hard, and flat, as you step down onto the hard surface, it doesn't give. So what happens is that your body absorbs it and there's shock waves that shoot up your body and can cause micro trauma, traumas in many different soft tissue areas that result in inflammation and gradual tightening of the entire body. One of the epidemics out there is uh, flat feet, And in medical terms, it's called pes planus. And you can actually have the ankle sort of falling inward, called pronation. And the reason why this happens is that we walk on surfaces that are way too hard, our body weight crushes down, and people sit way too much and the hips get too tight and can't get the weight with each step to migrate over the foot. So it falls in a little bit too much. And this can all be, I guess, made better by walking on natural surfaces, especially hiking. We're, we're so close to the Bruce Trail here. There's some really good hikes in the Don Valley system and the Humber Valley system. Uh, there's nothing better for you than walking and hiking. Don't have to get expensive equipment. You can wear whatever you have in your cupboard, covered. And, and away you go. But it's this integrative sense of the body working together, focusing on core mobility. Keeping all of your goodies in your chest and abdomen and pelvis happy and healthy on a breath-by-breath basis. Um, if, If people did attend to this more often, in terms of every single day, getting out there, giving your body what it needs, just like brushing your teeth, take care of every single part of your body and believe that you can do that. You don't have to leave any man behind.
0: Uh, I love everything that you're saying, because it falls into an entire philosophy that I've been learning over the last seven years, seven, eight years, is that um, the body is integrated and there's no way that you can isolate anything in the body because it's just, everything is connected to one another. You get an ankle injury, you may feel it in your neck a couple years later. Um what I wanted to touch up on, especially with the breathing, is something that, again, that we touch up on in, in Sistema, the martial art that I practiced, that I practiced is um, connecting breathing with movement. Mm-hmm. And we have this very unique way of, you know, um, and I teach this in my programs as well, where it's uh, your every step that you take will, dic- will be dictated by your breath, by the length of your breath. So you do one step in, one step out, two steps, one inhale, two steps, one exhale. Do you think that this has a good benefit to somebody to, as uh, both just, you know, connecting the mind body and improving their mental state of being?
1: Absolutely. I see a lot of people working out intensely and they forget to breathe, you know? They they work really hard with their bodies, but they don't really allow themselves to breathe fully and naturally. And you have to, you know, that comes first before the big physical effort. And if you can integrate the breathing with your effort, you're
0: going to get much farther. That's awesome. Um, Switching gears a little bit, how did you get into the medical world?
1: That's a, a, a good question. To a large extent, I think it was to satisfy my parents' sense of who I should be, and um, it it caused a little bit of a problem when I graduated from medical school and realized that there was a whole world out there that I had, you know, no understanding of. And I felt dislocated and really not too sure of where I wanted to go, and um, most people after medical school will start an internship or residency, but I just stopped. And I, uh, I drove across North America twice, just kept driving, just trying to see what was going on. And, and at the end of the day, like most people, when they go on these journeys of discovery, you, you find out that, you, know, happiness is in your own backyard, you know, kind of a trite metaphor there. But everywhere you go, it's basically the same. It's human nature. It's, it's people who are, working hard to build lives for themselves and and the people they love. And as a, as a doctor, as a GP, I think the biggest lesson I've learned is that everybody is working hard to try to have a good life for themselves and their loved ones. Everyone is struggling. Everybody's got a crazy family. Everybody's, you know, to some extent holding on by their, by their fingertips. Um, and it's, it's okay to understand that life is never solid, never, never easy. It's not the way it's portrayed in the media, you know, a lot of the time. And it's normal to, to feel unsure, unsatisfied. It's, it's okay. And it's important to talk about how you really feel to find somebody who can listen to you and in a non-judgmental way say, you're doing okay. Just keep moving forward. Um, a lot people ask me, you know, what do I do as a doctor? And I usually respond, personality transplants, and because that's what I really love to do. Uh, I love to help people gain insight into who they are, the influences they had when they were very young, which leads to the way your brain is kind of wired, the habits that you'll have all of those social skills that you may or may not have. <laughs> I did not have early on. And it, it kind of leads to the issues, the conflicts, um, sometimes medical problems, mood issues, depression, anxiety, and so forth. And over a couple of years, you can gain somebody's trust. It takes that long as a doctor. Seeing somebody in a walking clinic because they have a sore throat is very, very different than seeing somebody over a 10 or 15 year period and taking a couple of years to get to know each other, to trust each other, taking another few years to be able to give somebody an understanding that there is a possibility of change and another few years to get them to say, okay, I will start making small changes. And then miraculously over a period of maybe eight to 10 years, somebody starts to become a different person who feels better about themselves, who has better quality relationships. And like a stone thrown into a pond, there are these expanding ripples of benefits in the world. So that's what I love to do. Personality transplants, overnight miracles takes only eight to 10 years.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like uh, the overnight successes that takes over a decade. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is very interesting because, um, we live in a world where we have instant gratification such as social media, for example, where it's like uh, and this has been proven scientifically where every like a person gets on their post, they get a dopamine hit. Do you think that social media is, I wouldn't call it evil because there's no, to me, there's no such thing, but Uh, unnecessary negative force in our lives.
1: We're all overstimulated, John. You know, think of the way human beings used to be back in the day. We'd spend about four hours a day, you know, when people were hunter gatherers trying to get everything we needed for the day and then just chill out for the rest of the time. You know, when the sun went down, we went to bed. When the sun got up, we got busy. And now we ask so much of ourselves. We have to be responsive. Um, I answer my, my phone very, very quickly because I look after nursing home patients and I want to be responsive to the nurses there. And it creates this loop where kaboom, as you say, you know, something goes off in your brain. And it makes it hard to just relax. There's a ton of people who have trouble sleeping these days, have trouble turning their heads off, who have trouble letting go and doing nothing. And in terms of kids, you know, when I have parents with small children, I say, try to get them to learn how to enjoy unstructured time. Sitting down, doing nothing, laying on your back, looking at the clouds, nothing to do nothing to achieve. Just hang out and love life. It's, it's a skill that a lot of people are lacking because we have something to do all the time. And you and I live in the GTA. It's an expensive place to live. And it takes a lot of effort to stay afloat, you know, pay the bills, pay the rent. Uh, people are now trying to save to be able to afford homes. And it's, it's becoming almost impossible for young people It's such a big effort and so much of their lives can be consumed by trying to get something as opposed to trying to enjoy every moment. Um, I I teach my patients a mantra and I, I say, try to repeat this to yourself a few times a day. And the mantra is really simple. It's, I will allow myself to enjoy this moment. And then just stop and relax and breathe and try to reset your head and try to get your reticular activating system to stop ticking along at you know moderate to high and drop it back. And that's when life feels good, when we feel good all the time, when we're not sort of working for that few minutes a day where we can go,
0: ah, <laughs> Uh, that's, uh, you kind of answered my next question, which was what, uh, what's the one thing that you would tell your patients, you know, how to turn off because it's hard, like it's even hard for me. And I know the benefits of, you know, instead of grabbing my phone or my tablet to read a book on there, just actually pick up a book and read because there's a lot of different chemical, uh, stuff that actually happens in your brain when you do read a book. Mm-hmm.
1: You dream, you see, you visualize. It's different. It's not being thrown at you. You're having to
0: come up with it. You're having to create. Yeah. So what got you into the ancient Eastern wisdom of medicine?
1: I'm walking south on Bathurst Street, south of St. Clair, with uh, Caroline, my wife-to-be and we walk into this tai chi club because i'd always had an interest in things eastern i grew up in the 70s you know cut my teeth on uh, zen and buddhism and Taoism and all of these amazing things that were just bubbling up and were new and different and really fascinating and the whole earth catalog was out which basically showed you all of these tools and inspiring messages from all around the world and So here's this Tai Chi club and in I go with Caroline and there's this Chinese gentleman there in a kind of a white t-shirt. He's vacuuming the carpet, vacuums pretty loud. And uh, he turns the vacuum off and approaches my wife, my wife to be an I, and says, you do Tai Chi. And I said, I'm thinking of it. And he calls an instructor over and says, go teach. (laughs) So that's, that's how I got into it. That's, that's the start of it. And what he showed me is not so much the art of core mobilization. It's this sense that anything you do with a full heart, you will be successful at. And it sounds strange, you know, that Tai Chi can lead to something like that, but there is no dream too big. It just matters that you're doing it in a way that you want to benefit yourself in the universe and you will learn the skills you need you will find the people you will gather the resources
0: and you will get there interesting what would you say to somebody who doesn't really see it they have this vision in they have this let's get, hypothetically speaking they have this vision it's just they've told themselves that it's unreachable. It's always important to
1: start somewhere. And you were going to ask me before, what do I tell my patients? What's the one thing I try to tell them? I say, when you wake up in the morning and you look at yourself, tell yourself that you're just fine. You're exactly where you should be. You accept yourself, you love yourself, you care and comfort yourself, and you go forward from here. And that's the way it is, whether you know, you're know you coming up from a place where you, know, you and your family have had to struggle forever, or you're somebody who is dealing with the weight of having kind of an entitled upbringing. They're both crippling. In their own way and you have to find out how to be a person who is satisfied with themselves and is able to accept other people for who they are Uh, the expression namaste is such a beautiful way to greet somebody because i think it kind of means may i see your may i see myself through your eyes May I understand the world as you see it, not me just projecting my angst on you. And it makes it easy to see all the clowns and cowboys around us and accept them. And one of the most profound sort of sayings that I've come across um, is from the Tao Te Ching. And it says, be good to people who are good. Also, be good to people who are not good. Trust people who should be trusted. Also, trust people who should not be trusted. (laughs) And it seems nuts until you realize that if you're not good to other people, it's really not going to do any harm to them, but it will do harm to you. You're going to basically express anger. And in terms of trust, you're going to make yourself feel insecure. If you trust that people will always be who they are, if somebody's going to be a rip-off artist, That's the way they are. They're always going to be that way. And you have to be careful. But you can trust them to be who they are. And you can love people for exactly who they are and not be frustrated with who they are or who they should be or who you want them to be. And now we're back to families. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Family. Friends are easy. Friends are easy. (laughs) um it's interesting because even in the bible it says uh love thy enemy Mm -hmm. and it's like like i've been having a struggle with that myself because it's like like i'm greek orthodox and uh i've studied it and i'm like love my enemy what are you talking about and um even that even that i have me personally i still have troubles with that but um it's interesting because you said something that I want to touch up on. And especially with people who are suffering from depression and mental health issues. I was actually told by somebody that when you look in the mirror, uh, say something nice about yourself, like Mm -hmm. I accept you. uh, I love you uh, and all that stuff. And like, even now I still have trouble saying it, especially when you are really in that kind of, stuff it's impossible for someone to say it how would you come how would you come around telling somebody who's in that kind of mindset you know um be a little bit nicer to yourself in the mirror how would you go about saying something like that
1: you have to explain that a lot of these feelings these inner voices are echoes and when people are very young they learn how to feel about themselves. Other people teach them. they don't teach them in nice ways sometimes. They may be ultra-critical, they may be focused on their own needs and get you to suppress your own needs and uh, feel that they're helping you by, you know, giving you corrections. <laughs> you know, not letting you feel too important or too smart. But in fact, they're making you feel weak and make you. they're making you doubt yourself. And we all have to deal with those issues that, that came up because our parents were not perfect. Our parents did the best job that they could. But we come up in ways that we don't often feel good about ourselves. We worry, we stress. We think about it a lot. We think about what we say to other people and what they say to us. And this process of overanalyzing and thinking it uses sort of neurotransmitter energy it exhausts us and that's what i say to my patients i say you may feel anxious you may feel depressed but a better way to look at it is to say i'm exhausting myself i'm not a bad person but i got a bad habit i tend to exhaust myself i tend to worry a lot i tend to think a lot i stress a lot i can't go to sleep at night cuz i got shit in my mind oops it's a bad word. Um,
0: that's okay. Bad words are allowed here, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it
1: it is the way it is. That's the physiology of it. We we tend to exhaust ourselves when we pick away at ourselves, when we doubt ourselves, when we have this difficulty of being kind to ourselves, when we need to slap ourselves around a bit, and that's the way the medications work as well. The Most used type of antidepressants are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, and NSRIs, noradrenaline serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And they boost neurotransmitter levels in the brain. So that you make up for the fact that you tend to burn through too many neurotransmitters by supplementing. And it works. And they're miracles. I have so many patients that feel so much better. But it's so important to work on a parallel path. One, supplement to help yourself feel better, get the motivation, feel better about yourself. And two, start that process of gaining insight into who you are, what the influences were. Know that it's baggage. These are echoes. And that you can, using different sort of techniques, cognitive behavioral therapy and so forth, learn to understand that the way you think the way you respond to people, it's habitual and you can examine that and slowly modify it. You can rewire your brain because we are who we are because of the way our brains are wired. Even though you can't grow a lot of new nerve cells in your lifetime, brain cells are always reorganizing the way that they interact. Each brain cell has hundreds or thousands of connections with other brain cells. And they're mixing and matching all the time. And by asking yourself to change the way you habitually think and deal with life and other people, you can become a person who feels better about yourself, who has better quality relationships, who's able to rest much more easily, and has a better quality of life. And uh, honestly, John, that's, that's the reason I'm still a doctor at this point. It's just so satisfying to see people go along that arc and the funny thing is when people finally get there they stop coming to see me (laughs) that that's the big check mark yep job done
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome um now i'm a big fan of natural medicine uh i have this thing that you know modern medicine does have its place i mean i mean if you're if you're in the hospital and you need to get Yourself out of there asap. Modern medicine is great and everything. However, I'm a big fan of prevention rather than, you know, what modern medicine is doing with um, certain stuff right now. But I don't want to get into that part. What I do, what I what I do want to get in is where is the connection between modern medicine and the ancient wisdom, ancient Eastern philosophy, Mm -hmm. where is that connection?
1: It's starting to emerge. There's a bridge forming between that ancient Eastern knowledge and modern scientific understanding. Uh, One of the, I guess, tasks that my Tai Chi teacher set uh, before me, just before he passed away actually, was to show people the importance of stretching along the spinal axis. He called it stretching between the heart and the kidneys and this is in the days before the internet and i would go down to uh the robarts library actually sigmund sigmund samuel library down at u of t and go through the stacks there and look at journals and try to understand what the spine was and and what this had to do with overall health because he was saying if you stretch along that spinal axis it will give you better health so I dug and dug and dug, tried to understand the connections, learned about the connection between the spine and the rib cage and the diaphragm muscle. And then I started reading these articles about the big blood vessel that runs just in front of the spinal column. It's actually in intimate contact with the spine and has blood vessels that wrap around the spine called the aorta. The aorta runs from the heart through the chest and the abdomen. The heart contracts, blood is pushed into the aorta, goes up and around the aortic arch, down, to the chest and the abdomen and the legs. So the heart pumps blood through the aorta. And the aorta, it's a blood vessel that over time, as you get older, gradually stiffens. And scientists, mostly in Australia, and this was about 25 years ago, noted that exercise decreased aortic stiffness. I went, boom, the light went on. The aorta is a surrogate measure of spinal flexibility, and there's some good scientific evidence now that spinal stiffness is related to aortic stiffness. And I thought, gee whiz, why don't we show people what their aortic stiffness is like, and that will help them understand what spinal stiffness is like and encourage them to exercise and do things to stay healthy. And over time, I learned how to... uh, Analyze the arterial pulse signal using uh, kind of this device. I, I think everyone's probably familiar with it. You put it on your finger and you can see your blood oxygen level and that sort of thing. And I learned to use a, a modified pulse oximeter to bring the arterial pulse signal in with really high sampling speed and really high resolution, one in a million resolution. And I found this really cool little signal there called the aortic reflected wave signal that you can see in your fingertip that indicates how stiff your aorta is. Over time, the shape of your arterial pulse changes from a youthful pulse to an older pulse. And the really cool thing, John, is that with exercise, you can become physiologically younger. You can decrease your internal age. And uh, in order to satisfy my teacher's request, I I built an app and it measures your aortic stiffness and gives people feedback in terms of their internal age. So, aortic stiffness is a bridge, it's Western scientific understanding. It's related to overall health. Uh, Aortic stiffness is well known to predict the risk of death from all causes because when you have good core mobility, With each breath, you're promoting internal organ function, heart and lung function, and pumping the good stuff to your brain. John, how do you feel after you've been exercising regularly for a few days? Does your brain feel clearer? Do you feel that you're a little bit brighter?
0: Always. Always. Exactly. Yeah. Even right after a workout, you feel so much, you feel alive. And it's just in the last few years that
1: modern Western medicine has discovered or rediscovered that breathing is the main pump that propels cerebrospinal fluid up the spine, spine to the brain. Yoga, Tai Chi, and many other Eastern arts, Eastern arts of health, have known this for thousands of years. And modern Western medicine is discovering this. And hopefully, over the next few years or decades, Western medicine will rediscover the integrative effects of breathing on health and give people the tools they need to maintain themselves. And it's not hard, a good walk, getting on your elliptical for a few minutes, you know, uh, doing any sort of whole body, vigorous workout, you know, uh, dancing, Taibo, (laughs) whatever you're into. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so true. And it's, the. It's not just the Eastern, I, even the ancients, like if you look at, uh, even, even here with the Mayans and the Incas and the, the ancients in Europe and, the uh, Egyptians, they had a very different outlook when it came to, uh, you know, physician, physicians, I don't, sorry, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but like physicians mm. and health givers, You know, you know what I mean? Like, it was like, it feels like there was at some point in time, it feels like there was a disconnect and the only ones that actually kept it were like the, the Eastern, like the Chinese, the, the India people from India. If to me, it seems that way to, to the Japanese. And it's like everything that came from Europe had suddenly just stopped. And it just got, for me, it got lost.
1: It's, it's a tough one. Uh, in ancient China, there was a time when doctors got paid when their patients were well and didn't get paid if their patients got sick. Maybe we should go back to that system. That might help a little bit. <laughs> and it, it's also a matter of, you know, where the power is. And the power is in prescribing right now. Physicians diagnose and prescribe. I try to be a resource to my patients and give them a sense as to what may be wrong, what the options are in terms of treatment, and work through that treatment decision with them. But in the end, I'm the one that has the power to prescribe, not my patients. And it, it kind of puts your patients in this place where they don't feel that they have the ability to manage their own health. They have to go to a, uh, a licensed healthcare care provider for that. And it's true. When you have certain health conditions, that's what you need. But don't let that eclipse the fact that each individual on a daily basis is thousands of times more powerful than a physician because they can maintain health. When it comes to illness, yeah, you you know, you got to truck on over to the serviceman. Yeah. But that's not where the gold is. That's not where the pot of gold is, you know. The, the pot of gold is in everybody's lap, we have it, it's right here. And it's just a matter of saying, I have the ability to care for myself. I want to care for myself. I have the resources to understand how to care for myself and the tools to be able to show myself that it's working. But, yep. you know, backing up a little bit, a big part of that is you saying to yourself, I care for myself enough to want to put the time in every day to keep my body strong and healthy.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's, uh, the proper way of looking at somebody's health. I mean, even from coming from a personal trainer's perspective, I mean, anybody and everybody can go to the gym you won't get you won't get the knowledge of what to do and how to do it and when to do it and how much force and how much mass and to to apply and all that stuff so yeah yeah i totally get it uh let's talk a little bit more about your apps you got some very interesting apps Mm -hmm. uh how did iheart internal age come about
1: basically it was just my really strong desire to give people an alternative to the conventional way aortic stiffness was measured uh, the conventional way is to put a pressure sensor over the carotid artery in your neck and one over the femoral artery in your, in your thigh. Hook those up to a very expensive piece of equipment costing about $20,000 and uh, hire a skilled technician to run the machine and, and away you go. You got uh, the speed with which the pulse wave goes from the carotid down to the femoral. And that's carotid femoral pulse wave velocity. As the aorta stiffens, pulse wave velocity increases. And that's the way that uh, scientists conventionally measure aortic stiffness by measuring aortic pulse wave velocity. And I went, gee, everyone doesn't have a skilled technician in the garage, 20,000 bucks to throw in a piece of hardware. He, he, you know, doctors can't afford um, expensive equipment, difficult to use equipment like that. And I, I, you know, looked at the pulse signal and realized that I'll just pull it out again here, Um, pulse oximeters, they don't bring the pulse signal in really well, they are just interested in the height of the pulse signal at red and infrared light frequencies, and the shape of the pulse signal is really distorted by the way they acquire it. So I, I worked with a manufacturer in Shanghai, and over a couple of years, we modified pulse oximeter technology to acquire the signal in a way that you can see these really cool, minor signal uh, signals in there. Uh, There's actually three peaks. There's a first peak, the reflected wave peak from the aorta, and then a third peak. The first peak is that heart squishing and that's the systolic ejection. The second peak is that aortic reflected wave. When the heart beats, a wave goes down all the arteries of the body, including the aorta, down it goes. And the really cool thing is that it reflects back up towards the heart. And in a young person that reflected wave gets back just at the time the heart is going from contraction to relaxation phase. The reflected wave maintains pressure in the aorta, allowing blood to flow into the coronary arteries and feed the heart muscle. So the engineer that designed the system was really cool and put in some very, very precise timing there so that that reflected wave comes back at just the right time to feed the heart muscle while it's relaxing. The problem is that as you get older, and as things stiffen, the pulse wave goes down the aorta and back up more quickly, getting back to the heart too early, right at the point where the heart is still pushing out blood. So the two waves meet, that outgoing systolic ejection wave and the aortic reflected wave driving pressure up. And that is the reason most of the time that people get essential hypertension or high blood pressure. High blood pressure is something people should go to a fitness trainer to to deal with. And it's well known that exercise lowers blood pressure. How many people have come to see in the last few weeks to lower their blood pressure, John?
0: None. That's wrong. That's the first
1: place they should be going. They shouldn't come to me for their antihypertensive medication and their their lipid medications. They should get in touch with a good trainer and start working out. So up comes that aortic reflected wave. And I guess this takes us back a little bit to those ancient times that you were talking about. When do people start getting old? How long is the body intended to go for? Over the course of human history, how long did people usually live?
0: What do you think? I think the average back in the ancient days was somewhere any, anywhere between 40 and 50 at one point.
1: Yeah, you're, you're right. It's actually closer to about 35 to 40. So we're designed to go about 35, 40 years. We live a lot longer than that, and it's really important for us to know that as you cruise into your mid-30s, you got to get busy. You can maintain your body really, really well by not abusing it, right, not running upstairs all the time, <laughs> doing some good stretches, having an exercise routine that's balanced between some cardio, some strength, and a good percentage of stretching exercise and some of the really cool stretching stuff, yoga and Tai tai Chi work the body in a way that body movement becomes integrated and you work all the different body parts. You use gravity to help pull things apart. It's not so much active as just letting things go. So here we are, the aorta stiffening, you know, it's showing us that we're getting older. I want to show people, using a device like this, that with exercise and supplements, omega-3 and a good diet and, you know, dealing with stress properly, they help as well, but exercise is the keystone. And I developed this and I got an engineer, Benoit Levden, and my daughter, Sarah. Uh, Sarah is the one that's getting married in the near future. We we worked together and we created an app called iHeart Internal Age. And we offered this to people and we've, I think, sold about 10,000 oximeters around the world. It's a funny device because it, it doesn't cheat. People like a weight scale. They like to step on that weight scale and it says basically the same thing every day. Or if it changes, it changes slowly. The blood pressure and heart rate are really dynamic and change on a minute to minute basis. And blood pressure and heart rate affect your reading. And people will tell me that their internal age is moving around between five and ten years in the course of a single day. And I go, yeah, that's kind of normal. But what's your trend? Uh, people like that instant gratification. They don't like surprises. <laughs> and it, it's hard for people to accept that they have this physiology that's just bubbling and boiling and quite dynamic inside all the time. And you have to work with it to down-regulate there's two parts of your nervous system. The autonomic nervous system has parasympathetic and sympathetic parts, right? That's your unconscious nervous system. And you've got the other part that's your conscious nervous system, which is helping me speak right now, forming words, getting up to turn into audible, audible signals and all that sort of thing. So we have the conscious and unconscious. The unconscious has two parts activating and calming. And if you want to be healthy, you have to learn how to achieve balance. And some of the breathing techniques you were talking about let you focus on your breathing. And when you focus on your breathing, you exclude all other thoughts. And you get your body to switch from sympathetic dominant, which is let's get it done, to parasympathetic dominant, which is Let's chill, (laughs) have a cookie. (laughs) And I'm I'm hoping that, you know, with the iHeart device, number one, people can see themselves getting younger by stretching, working in an integrated fashion. And there's four other apps coming out using this device that show what your autonomic nervous system is doing. There's a really cool app called iHeart Brain that follows your blood pressure and heart rate as you stand up. Every person as you stand up will experience the blood pressure falling and then rising again. And when you're in your 30s, 20s, 30s, maybe 20 to 30 seconds is all it takes for your blood pressure to regulate back up. And that's your unconscious nervous system kicking in. As you get older, if you're stressed, If you're ill with diabetes and other illnesses, you will have a prolonged recovery period, and it will take you possibly a minute or two to get up to baseline. Sometimes you won't be able to get up there at all. And it's important for people to know where they're at. And this is my whole shtick. I want people to have tools that say, here's where I am. This is where I start. And I get better from here. This is my autonomic balance. Another app is iHeart HRV, which is the variability of heart rate with breathing. Your heart rate speeds up and then slows down with every breath to deal with more or less blood in the heart, in the chest cavity. Another app is iHeart Remote. It lets people connect remotely. And I'm hoping this gives psychic psychologists and other counselors an ability to connect with people remotely in these days of COVID in a way that they can share the sort of I guess body language is that a good word for it or you know that that intuitive sense when you're sitting across from somebody how they're feeling when you see somebody's heart rate and can see the heart rate rising and falling with breathing, so basically you're watching and seeing what heart rate and breathing are like, you can get a sense as to how somebody's feeling, whether they're stressing. And I'd love people to be able to connect up with counselors and have some sort of emotional connection uh, using iHeart Remote. And iHeart Record is just an app that lets people do different things. Get up, walk around the room, and see what the influence is on your heart rate on other parts of human physiology. So hoping to give people insight, hoping to give them that confidence that they know, understand that human physiology isn't complicated. We have a head and a spine, one part, a chest, an abdomen, and a pelvis, and that's it. If you can understand that the body basically has four cavities, And each one of those cavities is, you know, made healthier on a breath-by-breath basis, you're there. There's nothing else you really need to know. I think that most people are intimidated by modern medicine. You have to go to medical school for years and years to learn about all the different parts of your body, how they work, and how you can help people. But as an individual, you don't have to do that. It's all there. It's easy to to capture. My head has this really hard brain case around it to protect it, but also to maintain pressure within it physiologically. The chest expands and contracts. The diaphragm muscle drops down, and the abdomen is soft and jiggly so that when you go for your walk, All of the stuff in your abdomen, all of your organs, they're being churned just by an old style, like an old style washing machine, you know, like that, propelling stuff through your intestines. If you're constipated, one of the best things you can do is to go for a walk every day and get stuff moving again. And we're back to exercise, John. Are you starting to feel that you are the healer that the world really needs?
0: Yes. I mean, I've always believed that it's uh, I've always believed that um, I know me the best. A I meant a
1: fitness trainer.
0: Oh, it a fitness trainer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yes. Um, I've seen it before. I've studied muscles. Uh, when COVID, before COVID hit, I was doing uh, muscle joint and uh, sorry, muscle assessment, muscle testing and joint assessments to see if uh, if the integrity of the joint and the muscle is there to stabilize the joint but for the last what 18 months i am not allowed to touch people so
1: oh that's that's sad because it's that ability to give people feedback to take somebody's shoulder and say there's intrinsic stiffness here we're going to have to work to loosen that up that's what people need you must see a lot of people with rotator cuff problems. I, I'm seeing so many people as they get older screw up their shoulders by <laughs> pulling on lawnmowers to start them and all that sort of thing.
0: I've seen I've seen everything, and I've worked with people with uh, spine from spina bifida to a uh, person who got beat up at work, working with a cane, and in three months he was not using the cane as much. Mm-hmm and covid hit and he went back to using the cane again i've seen
1: yeah like you i've seen miracles where people have had strokes and told that's it you've plateaued no no you haven't plateaued you've just done everything that the physiotherapist here has told you to do but you don't have to accept that never give up you can after a stroke if you can just move your fingers a little bit there's an intact connection between the brain and your hand yeah and you can grow that and nurture it and it's going to get better and you're going to get stronger and more coordinated. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, it's really interesting because uh, I, I always found that the, the clips on the, on the finger when you're going to get uh, your heart rate done, I always play with that. <laughs> because like you said, like you can control your heart rate through your breathing as well. Mm-hmm. How did you get through that kind of hurdle where somebody like me who knows how to cheat the blood test, the the blood pressure test, how how, how, how have you beaten that?
1: Well, that's why heart rate variability isn't that great an index of stress or autonomic balance. It's because you can cheat. If you take slow, deep breaths, you're going to come out as basically, you know, Buddha, the reincarnation, right? (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, The other test that I'm I'm going to be launching, iHeartBrain, it can't be uh, gamed. When you stand up, your autonomic nervous system is going to kick in to get your blood pressure to pop back up to baseline. And the only way you can game that is by maybe not having anything to drink for about 24 hours, in which case it's going to stay at the very bottom because you're (laughs) dehydrated. You're going to pass out if you don't sit down.
0: Um, you keep talking about aortic stiffness and, um, I want a little bit more clarity on that because, uh, we all hear about like, uh, high blood pressure and how plaque gets built up in the, in the the arteries and the veins. That's not what you're talking about. You're talking about the actual flexibility of the actual, um, aorta. You you were right the first time. There are some very, very
1: specific cardiovascular consequences to having an aorta that is getting too stiff. Because that reflected wave comes back up too quickly, heart beats, reflected wave goes down, reflects back up to the heart. It comes back too early, meets the outgoing wave, and that causes high blood pressure. The consequence of that is that the heart has to beat with more force, that increases the thickness of the left side of the heart, the left ventricle, called left ventricular hypertrophy. That can lead to early onset of congestive heart failure. The heart basically wears out a little bit too early. Because that reflected wave has come back up too soon, when the heart starts to relax, there's not enough pressure to drive blood into the coronary arteries. The heart muscle is not getting enough blood flow. There's decreased coronary artery perfusion. And these things have been studied extensively in the scientific literature. And the most critically important thing, I'm hoping that your audience remembers. If you remember anything from this podcast, this is it. When you have an increase in blood pressure because of early return of the reflected wave, you're going to have High peak pressure moments, the peak pressure, the blood pressure ends up at. That will go up the carotid arteries to your brain. And the lining of the tiny little blood vessels in your brain, it's called the endothelial lining, will be traumatized by that jackhammer effect. Some of those areas are going to be bruised, platelets will be attracted, and you may develop a plug, and that little tiny area of brain may have brain tissue that dies. Very teeny-weeny little brain infarcts. If you look at an MRI scan of somebody in their 40s or 50s, often you're going to see something called microangiopathic change, and it's a big word for lots of tiny little areas of brain cell death. And this leads to cognitive decline over the years. People think Alzheimer's disease is the big culprit here. No, the biggest factor promoting cognitive decline is high blood pressure, leading to high peak pressure moments, leading to microangiopathic change, chipping away at your cognitive function because you're getting too stiff and you need to run, not walk to your fitness trainer. Right, John?
0: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you brought up some really amazing points right there. Um, I've noticed in, in my past of doing this for the past, what, 13 years of being a personal trainer, I've, I hear stories of like long distance runners just collapsing from heart attacks. Is this one of, the, one of the reasons is because that aortic, the, that aorta is too, a little too stiff?
1: So it's really, really nice to watch the Kenyan runners, you know, the long distance runners, they have this ability to use their whole body like a shock absorber and they drop into it, come up, and they're not really just using their legs, they're using their whole body. They're stretching through their whole body. Some people, when they run, they run with their legs and they don't really stretch through the core of the body. And that's not healthy. And that's exactly what we've been talking about this whole podcast is that you can't leave out certain parts of your body. You can't just do aerobic conditioning using your legs. You really should get everything involved. And aortic stiffness is a surrogate measure of spinal flexibility. And the spine, the rib cage, and the diaphragm make up the core. And with good core mobility, you're going to have a long life with less illness than you would otherwise. That's
0: awesome. And I keep telling people who love running, just swing your arms because that's yes. important.
1: Swing so- your arms and drop through your hips. Use your hips and your lower back as areas where you can store energy. Try not to just pop your knee forward and use your quad muscles to push you off every step. It should be something where you store energy and release it, store energy and release it. Uh, When I practice Tai Chi, I try to let go. I try to sink. I try to see what's holding me back from just letting the weight drop naturally opening the pelvis at the back, letting the bottom of the spine turn, and bringing it around to the other side. Gravity is
0: our friend. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because one of the courses that I took was uh, the resistance training specialist course. And uh, we, were, we took a cross-section of a femur, and we were looking at all the, all the fibers. Yeah. Sorry? They're called trabeculi, all those. Yeah. Little fibers there, yeah. All the trabeculae. It was everything that in our bodies lead to the ground because gravity gravity forms our skeleton. So you want to hear something really cool? Yes. So
1: when you stretch, especially when you allow gravity to help you stretch, you pull through tissue and that pulling force pulls these little cells called fibroblasts. And the fibroblasts are sensitive to the electrical field that's generated as you pull them. It's called the piezoelectric effect. So your body generates these electric charges and the fibroblasts lay down tissue along the line of that stretch, nice, flexible, elastic tissue. So the way you stretch and the way you turn through your bones determines how your fibroblasts and osteoblasts in bone, lay down tissue. So it's really, really important for you to do natural human motion that's integrated, pulling on your tendons in a way that everything turns. Um, The hip, the knee, the foot, it, it spirals the weight down to the foot. It's not just a linear, the knee bends and it opens. It's not like that at all, the hamstrings, are meant to turn and absorb that force. The hip is meant to rotate and the foot has actually two arches. There's uh, one arch over the top and and a longitudinal arch along the foot. It's called a gothic arch architecture. And it's meant to take the weight and spiral it down into the ground. And if you use your feet that way, it's going to help you get everything right. But it's sort of like, I, I, I've been trying to promote from the beginning, from the top of your head to the tips of your toes, everything has to be working in in cooperation with, with each other, following the same basic spiral movement that is meant to unite all the different parts of your body.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, one more thing I wanted to ask, um, you also you also mentioned that it, you know your brain starts to create little dead spots that bred-
1: microangiopathic changes yes yeah
0: microangiopathic changes can this be in people who have suffered concussions
1: concussions are terribly important because they can lead to long term consequences unless you give yourself time to rest and heal Uh, after a concussion, it's going to be two or three or four weeks that you're going to feel extremely tired. And that's your body signaling you, you need to rest. You need to hydrate. You need to recover. When you get a concussion, if you hit like this, your brain is going to smash into the front part of your skull because the brain's in a fluid bath and then hit the back as well. So it's a coup, contra coup injury. It's a brain bruise. And boxers are well-known, football players are well-known to develop cognitive change years after having repeated head injuries. So yeah, it's a big deal. Different than microangiopathic change, because it's an area of the brain that's been bruised and traumatized, but similar long-term effects.
0: Okay. Six of them. (laughs) (laughs) Not good. Don't do that again. Uh, I try not to. (laughs)
1: Maybe you should come out with a line of helmets for everyday use. <laughs> no, I won't do that.
0: <laughs> Unless it's a tin foil oh, four hat. Four different colors. <laughs> four different types of tin. <laughs> uh, we're going to be closing up the show in just a little bit. And these are the seven or eight uh, questions that I ask all my guests. I'd just like to get your input on them. Um, with the increased... Pe- With the increase in people suffering from depression, from the inconsistency that we're seeing, that we're living in, what would be the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up?
1: Stay in touch with other people.
0: It's the
1: world is still spinning, but we are social creatures. We need to communicate. We need to laugh. We need to cry we need to know we're cared for we need to care for other people that's awesome
0: uh what's the one thing that you do on a daily basis that amplifies your ability to stay focused
1: i i go out into um, a conservation area near my house and try to turn off my head and just smell and listen and let my feet take me for a little walk.
0: Very nice. If you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself?
1: Enjoy every minute. Don't rush to achieve success. Take your time and find your feet and learn how to smile and just
0: enjoy every day. Very good looking back, would you change anything? No, not a thing. I love that answer. (laughs) Uh, What scares you?
1: I care for my family in a way that scares me. I want to make everything perfect for everybody. And I know that's not possible and it's not even good. And I'm, I'm, trying as hard as I can to relax and have faith in the universe and have faith in my children and faith in my beautiful wife to be able to manage everything on their own.
0: Great. Um, Where do you see iHeart internal age system in the next five years? I'm hoping that
1: it becomes a a tool used by people in many different places uh, to, to gain insight. But I'm also hoping that a community develops that teaches me the best way to use it. I'm just throwing information out there. I'm throwing a hammer and, and a bag full of nails and some wood at people. And I want to see what they can build. Awesome.
0: Uh, what about you personally? Where do you see yourself for the next five years?
1: Spending uh, more time at home, enjoying uh, my, my two little uh, dogs. they They're half breeds, they're part miniature pincher and half paranoid schizophrenic, but they're kind of cute. And at time with my wife, we enjoy hanging out together.
0: Uh, Where can people find more about you?
1: The website for the iHeart system is www.goiheart.com. And I'm more than happy to chat with people and, you know, help them understand how this technology can work.
0: And I will post all your content and all your links with the show notes below. So everybody listening and watching this podcast has easy access to your, 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 your products.
1: John, it's really, really appreciated. You know, this is a labor of love and I'm I'm hoping that people use it in a way that helps them and, you know, gets the ball rolling to get people to really believe in their ability to stay healthy. Absolutely.
0: Uh, Any final thoughts?
1: No. Have a great one, John. Enjoy.
0: Well, Dr. Goodman, thank you so much for all you do. You are honestly a very unique doctor. I've never, I've, I work in a hospital full time and I deal with a lot of doctors and it's very refreshing to see somebody who can actually mend or not mend blend uh, traditional medicine with modern medicine. It's a very unique thing that you're doing. I, I'm I not so it. sure. I,
1: I'm actually not so sure. My, my youngest daughter, Azura, is a registered nurse. And she has become a lactation consultant. And She is somebody who is, as you say, concerned about the individual, providing very sort of unique advice for each person, getting to know them and not just throwing standard solutions at people. And I I think that this is almost like a a change in in the way the wind is blowing that healers, whether they're from the conventional medical background or from the alternative background, are all starting to understand that everyone's unique. We all have different needs. Some of the... uh, insight that Azura has given me has been that nursing is very focused on somebody's cultural background, cultural needs, being sensitive to that and, you know, supporting them in this way that really is, I guess, highly integrative and is going to allow people to blossom. So I I don't see the dichotomy anymore. I think we're all moving in the right direction and I'm hoping that you know the bridge has formed and we're going to be walking back and forth and that modern medicine is going to become i guess a big tent and we're all going to be able to practice in ways to focus on what every single person needs
0: well i love it and and the fact that you actually came came out and uh brought light to this to me is uh, to me i'm grateful i'm so grateful for it like uh I think you're right. And I think it is moving in the right direction Mm -hmm. where where it's encompassing more than just take this pill and take that pill and take this pill.
1: Yeah, it's no fun doing that. It's way more fun to have a partnership with your patients over 15, 20, 25 years and just feel this sense of uh, gratitude that you're able to participate and learn about life and, and really appreciate the fact that, as I said earlier, We're all dealing with a lot of things. We're all struggling. We all have to be very gentle with ourselves.
0: Well, again, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on my show. Uh, I appreciate you and everything that you're offering and everything and your wisdom is amazing. So thank you again. Thank you so much.
1: John, it's been a pleasure. Have a good night.
0: Uh, Going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, You will be stronger than ever before, and you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or good night, wherever you may be in this crazy world.